Hi, I'm Dan Krinas from the Leader of Learning podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure to check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And get ready, because the learning begins in three, two, one. Hey, welcome back. Today it's just me, and I'm talking about the five reasons why a classroom teacher needs a lifeline. That's right. I'm going to talk a little bit about what a lifeline is, and then I'm going to go into the reasons why we need them. And then I'm going to follow this up next week with the five ways that lifelines look, you know, how they appear, how teachers create them. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. You know, one of the things that I've realized over the years is that a classroom teacher really needs to have a lifeline. And, and in some cases, they need help creating that lifeline. So let's talk about what a lifeline is, because some teachers create it on their own, and others may need help making it happen. And in many cases, the school administration could help provide that lifeline. So let's talk a little bit first about this imagery, because you know, in just a minute, I'm going to get to uh, um, to specific thoughts about uh, five reasons why a teacher needs a, needs a lifeline. But before we get there, I kind of want to go with this imagery first of all, because what do you think about when when I talk about a lifeline? Hmm? I mean, you know, have you ever struggled in a in 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 uh, you know? like the ocean to, to get above the water, you can slam to the ground by the, by the shore, by the waves, wham, you know, and you're trying to find where up is and, uh, or you're out in the water, you dove into the deep end, you've been fooling around in the water with your kids or, or hanging out with uh, your friends or whatever. And uh, all of a sudden you're kind of like, I need to get to the surface, you know? Um, and, and a lifeline in those cases appears many different ways. Someone swimming out to help you in, someone throwing you a rope, someone throwing you one of those big life preservers, whatever. Hey, grab onto this. You know, it, it looks different for each situation. And in those cases, you know, it's to help you stop from drowning. And I want you to th- think about that for just a minute, because there are many things that we do in our lives where we, we need our own lifelines. You know, we can, uh, whether it's in our job, whether it's in uh, play, whether it's in just simply, you know, help uh, save me out of the situation within my family. I mean, you know, there are things that uh, we need lifelines for. And, and I want to give you that image just like that. The idea that it's whether it's the thought of tag teaming or it's the whether it's the thought of, you know, reaching out and grabbing and pulling you out of the, the thing that's sucking you in and uh, just uh, you're, you seem stuck, period. You know, lifelines meant to help you to help you overcome whatever that difficulty is, to help you survive, to help you to move forward, to help you to move on. And in the classroom, we, we often don't think about this uh, because we, we try and assign, you know, we've over the past many years, you know, what's happened is there've been uh, emphasis on needing to have mentors for classroom teachers. And the problem with a lot of these mentor programs is the reason why they haven't worked 
really well is because, you know, you can't really force a mentor situation. Some people volunteer and they mean well, but their lives happen and they, they start, uh, you know, they get too busy and stuff like this. And a lot of times that hasn't worked as a lifeline. You know, sometimes an administrator will try and be a lifeline, but it, it, there's always this problem there that if they're really an evaluator, can they really be a lifeline? You know, we'll we'll talk more about that. But let's let's kind of move into this just just a thought because, you know, I think a classroom teacher should have a lifeline. And I and you know, and like I said before, in some cases, teachers are good at creating their own lifelines. And in some cases, they haven't thought about it and they don't know where to go and they don't know where to turn. And they're going to need help creating those lifelines. So let's talk about uh, why I think. A classroom teacher needs a lifeline, first of all. And so I'm going to get into my five reasons why a classroom teacher needs a lifeline. So my first reason is falling behind. My second reason is not sure what to do. Number three is struggle with classroom management. Number four is peer interactions. And number five is parent interactions. So let's let's go back and let's look at each of these. So my five reasons for why I think a classroom teacher needs a lifeline and, and some way of creating this lifeline or help in creating this lifeline because it's easy to get behind is simply this first one of falling behind, right? I mean, it's <laughs> when you uh, so many times, especially as a brand new teacher, one of the things that can happen is you know, you get your plans all set during the, the summer, during the before the school year starts. You're all set. You've been working with other people. You've got everything together. And right off the bat, the first day of school or that first week of school, suddenly the next thing you know is you've got a lot of stuff to do. And you got to get caught up and you're suddenly behind. You know, what's that saying about the, you know, the... Um, the more I try to catch up, the, the behinder I get or whatever it is. You know, it's there's some there's just something to that because it's so easy because you're dealing with what you don't know about right off the bat, which is <laughs> you can get pretty busy in the life of a classroom teacher. And it happens fast. And the next thing you know is you got papers stacked over here. You meant to take care of uh, and have a system in, in place in which the kids would hand in the papers and you would hand them back. And that hasn't happened yet. You still have in the box over here in the corner the, the different little shelves that you were going to put together so that they had a place to go for the different assignments that they missed them when they were out. <laughs> Can you see where I'm going with this? Help! <laughs> you know, you kind of, you kind of get this feeling that you're drowning, that you're, you're, you're falling behind. And at the same time, somewhere along the line, someone from the school says, "Hey, by the way, we got to get testing trained. You know, we got to get trained for the testing that's coming up, and we got to, and we got to attend this meeting, and we've, we've got to do this, and and probably, you know, and quite possibly, you know, if you're we're excited about school. You also signed up to sponsor something or to do something else. So now you're the yearbook sponsor or you're a soccer coach or you're assistant football coach or something like this, or, or you're uh, the, you know, the club sponsor for the uh, holiday dance coming up, whatever the thing is, you know, you've probably got a lot of things going on and you get behind. So one of the, the, my number one reason why a teacher needs a lifeline, somebody to help them, that, that person to operate is that float that that hand up that that help out of the deep end of the pool is because they fall behind my second reason why a teacher needs a lifeline is they may not be sure what to do and they don't know who to ask you know that's that's very important the uh i mean i don't know about you but uh 
Have you ever felt that way that you're afraid maybe you shouldn't you don't feel comfortable asking the administrator because you you don't want to look like you don't know or that you're weak or that uh, for some reason that you know they might lose faith in you in that classroom or it might look bad on your evaluation. So you don't ask an administrator um, but you really don't understand how to do and let's fill in the blank there. And, and so let me give you an example. Let's say that uh, one of the things that uh, is a big drive in your school is differentiation. Yeah, there's a neat word, right? And one of the things we can find out about differentiation is that there are people who have different sorts of thoughts about what this truly is and what, and what you're expected to do. Well, you want a clarification on this, right? Well, that's where this lifeline comes in, you know, because you want somebody to turn to to say, Hey, you know, in the staff meeting the other day, how they were talking about differentiation. This is what I'm doing in my class. And I was wondering if you take a look at it and tell me, am I going the right direction? Do I really understand what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this meeting, you know, what people think I, I should be doing in the classroom? What do you think? Right? I mean, differentiation is just one of them. How about blended learning? You know, how, how, about, uh, how about simply, what is it that we're supposed to be doing for planning? I, I want to make sure that I know what a unit plan versus a daily plan is supposed to entail. You know, I, I, I mean, there's all kinds of different aspects of not understanding. How, how about just simply the way the, uh, the, the building runs or operates? Maybe you missed out because you had to take care of something because some package arrived or you were sick that morning or your child was sick and you had to get them to school and you missed the meeting where they explained all the new rules about what would happen in, you know, during the emergency drill coming up the second week of school, you know, there's, there's different things like that, that just, that just play into it that you may not know, and you don't know who to ask. Right. And so when, you know, my, my second reason for needing a rifle, a rifle, a lifeline is you're not sure what to do. And you need that person that can become your confidant, that can become the person that you trust, who is not, who you don't suspect of trying to undercut you, or you don't suspect of, uh, you know, is going to think you look bad and, uh, um, and it might impact your evaluation or something like this. They can become that lifeline for you to help you do that. You know, what's, what's funny is, uh, we always, uh, you know, there always seems to be teachers who just know what's supposed to happen next. And maybe you're trying to figure out how to get those textbooks out to your kids and you want to know what they do to help do it better. Or, or you're trying to figure out what, how do you deal with a kid when he wants to use the restroom? What's, what's your plan? That type of thing. You know, there's all kinds of aspects of you just don't know what to do and you'd like somebody to ask. So number one in my five reasons for um, why you need a lifeline is was falling behind. Number two is not sure what to do and who to ask. Well, number three is right off the bat, you start realizing you're struggling with classroom management. Yeah. And, you know, one of the problems with this is that, first of all, it can make your life really rough, especially if things are getting totally out of control and you just are completely drowning in the sea of, you know, needing help of, uh, with, uh, with keeping your kids focused in the classroom. You know, maybe you, uh, because you got behind right there at the beginning, you didn't get your classroom procedures in place and you didn't start teaching them, or maybe you just got those one or two special personalities in that classroom or three or four who are, uh, are challenging you and you need to figure out how to address that. You know, whatever the key is here, you know, here's another aspect where you need a lifeline. You need somebody to turn to, somebody that you can ask, hey, this is the situation I've got. Can you help me with it? Because 
I don't seem to be doing too well. And you need to be able to be honest with that person uh, who's going to become that lifeline for you. So number one, falling behind. Number two, not sure what to do. Number three, struggling with classroom management. Well, now let's get into something even (laughs) at a different level. So in my five reasons for why you might need a lifeline, how about number four is peer interactions? That's right. I'll bet you didn't have a class in school as you're learning how to be a teacher, or maybe you didn't even think about it, that you might have some difficulty dealing with one of the peers that you're going to be asked to work with. Hmm? <laughs> um, you know, and there's all kinds of scenarios. One, you just maybe parked in their parking space that they parked in forever, and now you're parked there and they don't appreciate that. Or it goes deeper than that, and it's uh, that you got their class, and they really wanted to teach that class, but now you're teaching their class. I mean, I've dealt with that. I've dealt with a couple different uh, situations like this. How about how about here? Here's one that is uh, very personal. I'm a brand new teacher at a school, and uh, um, I have, and I'm a brand new teacher, and I go into. Uh, Um, get my classroom, and I'm going to be floating. This is in a school that had a large number of kids. It was uh, over, it was somewhere around 2,000 kids, and uh, um, basically had a lot of teachers you didn't have enough classrooms for, so you floated. You you had a cart, and you had your schedule, and you traveled from classroom to classroom through the class, you know, over the hill, (laughs) over the dale, that type of thing, and, uh, and got to the classroom, got set up, and then stood at your door and greeted the kids when they came in. Well, at this school where I am, uh, one of the classrooms that I'm assigned, I meet this gentleman who uh, welcomes me, and I thought he was really nice. And he says, hey, by the way, I know you're going to float in here, so I got you a desk. And I've got a teacher desk in his classroom. This is awesome. Because the others that I had met, they they were very nice, but no one had said this. And uh, he gave me a desk. He said, you're welcome to use this. He said, just, uh, you know, I'd appreciate it if you're not in here when I'm teaching class. And I said, oh, not a problem. This is just great to have someplace to put my stuff. You know, I think he even had a bookcase for me that I could use. This was really cool until he gave me the rules of the classroom. (laughs) Yeah, his rules of the classroom. And, you know, I'm in my early 20s, and he's a lot older than me. I'm not sure how old. (laughs) Uh, Let's just put it this way. He'd been teaching at least 20 years. I do believe at the time I'm brand new. And he says to me this. This is after a faculty meeting that we had. I come back in. I'm putting some stuff around. He said, oh, by the way, I want to talk to you a little bit about how I kind of run things in my classroom. And uh, all the chairs, all the desks in the classroom are facing forward towards where the two teacher desks were, right? And that's where this giant board was that took up the whole wall. And uh, by the way, this is a day of still of chalkboards, okay? Yes, yes, I know. There was electricity then. Yes, I'm not that ancient, okay? <laughs> we didn't have to do things by candlelight, but yeah, we still had chalkboards. And it's a huge chalkboard. It's very long. It takes up the whole wall. And he says, that's my chalkboard. And he points over to the side and he says, that one over there, which was smaller, is like half the size. So I'm not complaining. It wasn't, it wasn't super small. It just was smaller. And he says, that one's yours. Now, remember what I said. The desks are all facing his board. All right. That was really the front of the room. And over there on the small side of the room is where my board is going to be. And the desk are going to face that way. Now, if you remember my story, what I told you, I floated, right? I I have like five preps and I float and I'm going from classroom to classroom. And when I come into his class, I really don't have time to fool around with moving desks around all that much. So I said to him, I said, hey, 
I appreciate that. Not a problem. You, you know, you can have your board up here. I just need you to know. I, I need to ask this question: Are the class are the chairs going to be facing your board? And he said, "Well, of course." And I said, "Not a problem." I said, "Then when I um, come in, I'm going to have the kids move them so they're facing my board. And when I leave, I'm going to leave them like that." <laughs> Notice the pause I just put in there because that was the pause that he had. He looked at me and he said, "Well, you can't do that. You need to turn them back so they're facing the front board." I said, "No, I'm not going to." I said, I'm not going to because, notice I'm taking a risk here. I'm a brand new teacher, and uh, this man who's been teaching a lot longer than me has just challenged me, basically. I mean, that's what he's done, and that's why I see it. And I don't have time for this foolishness. I want to I teach. I'm here to, to help kids want to learn history. I want to make history fun. Man, I got all this excitement. And this gentleman's telling me that the front board is his and the sideboard is mine and that I'm going to have to have the chairs turned towards that board, and then he wants me to turn them back. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. If you're not going to help me, I'm not going to help you. So when I leave, they're going to be facing that front board. Hmm. <laughs> you notice something here? I, and this gets worse, by the way. I'm getting ready to tell you the rest of this story. You know, it, what's sad is that no one, I, I have no one to talk to about this, really. I'm brand new in this school. I haven't, I haven't made my alliances yet. I haven't, I haven't created, connected with anybody. I, I'm just excited about being in, my, in this job and getting ready to teach. And, and now I will walk into this gentleman telling me this stuff. Well, he thinks about it for a minute. He says, I'll tell you what. All right. So how about you can have half the front board and I'll have the other half. And he draws a line down the middle of the board. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> the only thing that was missing was like some big yellow tape down the middle of the board. He draws a line with chalk down the middle of the board and says, that half is yours, this half is mine. Will that work for you? And I said, that'll be awesome. He said, now don't write on my side of the board. And he goes, you know, this is, this is my side of the board, so no matter what's over here, you can't use this side. And I said, not a problem. And I said, I hope that you will do the same with my side. And he said, oh, yes, no problem. All right, so here we go. Now, first week of school comes up, and the first day of school, I walk in early that morning, and he has written on both sides of the board, and, he said, and there's a little note that says, do not erase. <laughs> yeah, okay. Remember what I told you? It gets worse. Before it gets better. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I just put my stuff in my desk and I went about and I got my stuff ready and I went to my first classroom because this was not my first classroom. I went down to the first one thinking that maybe by the time I come back, he's going to have raced that stuff on my side of the board and everything's going to be good. No, by the time I get to his classroom, it's still there on both sides of the on both sides of the board with a little note that says, do not erase. So I come in, I say good morning to the kids and I, you know, I we're, we're getting ready. I've just... Come down, screaming down the hallway, not really screaming, but, you know, pushing my cart down the hallway, get into the classroom, get set up. And, you know, I see that on the board. And so I go up there and I'm like, well, I'm sorry to do this, but and I erase everything that's on my side of the board. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Anybody train you to deal with these types of situations? Yeah, nobody did me. Right. And I'm just basically I'm trying to draw the line in the sand with him, which is to say he stepped over the line. He set the rules. He stepped over the line. I'm going to have to push back. And, uh, you know, this is kind of like Lord of the Flies type thing going on here. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> so a little bit later, he comes and finds me. He says, you erased my side of the, you erased my board. It said, do not erase. And I said, exactly. And you wrote that on my side of the board. Did you not? And he said, well, yeah, but I said, do not erase. And I said, exactly. You told me that I don't write on your side of the board and you don't write on my side of the board. And then you wrote on my side of the board and you wrote, do not erase. So I'm sorry. I erased what you wrote on my side of the board because I had to use it. <laughs> How old do you think we are? Huh? <laughs> but
but this is what I had to deal with. Oh my gosh. You know, this, it taught me a lot about people and it's unfortunate. This was not a good lesson, <laughs> but I really needed somebody to talk to about him. And eventually I do connect with some people in this building. And I'm able to talk with them about it. And actually some people heard because he was complaining about me. And so actually this is where I connected with somebody because I guess he had offended a lot of people in that building. And so this like little committee comes to me and makes suggestions on how to work with this gentleman. I even remember his name. It's emblazoned in my brain, but you know, we got along all right for the rest of the year, but uh, basically we had this little detente of our own. Ooh, there's a history word for you. We had this <laughs> this little cold war of our own where, you know, we didn't do a whole lot of talking with each other. I definitely didn't sit next to him in faculty meetings. And uh, and uh, we and I used that desk, but eventually what happened was the media center specialist who was on, on that little team of people who he had stepped all over came to my rescue and said, hey, I'll give you a place in the media center. You don't need to use that place in there. <laughs> And uh, next thing I know is, you know, I, because I stood up to him, I become, I, I get this little reputation with part of the faculty. I thought that was interesting. So I tell you that story because, oh my gosh, nobody taught me how to deal with that peer interaction. And I'm not so proud of my interactions. I mean, because I'm basically, like I said before, I mean, how old are we? Right. I, I shouldn't have to go through that. And he shouldn't have put me in that place. Well, there's any number of other things that might happen. You get mad at somebody in your in your building, um, they get mad at you and you don't realize it. I mean, you know, uh, there's any number of these and we need a lifeline to kind of help us figure out how to deal with that. Somebody we could go to and say, I need some help because I don't know how to deal with this. And I really don't want to have an enemy and I really don't want to have, uh, you know, this silent treatment thing going on. Can you help me deal with this? Hopefully you haven't run into that yet, <laughs> but if you have, it's something that we could use a lifeline for. You know, so so far in my five reasons why we need a lifeline as a classroom teacher, number one is falling behind. Number two is not sure what to do or, or who to ask. Number three is struggling with classroom management. Number four are peer interactions. Well, number five are parent interactions. That's right. Because, you know, one of the things that we're told is that you need to have contact with parents, right? You need to. And that is very important. And we'll save that information for another time, but it is so important to talk with parents, to connect with them, to create relationships. Sometimes they're, you know, if you start in the beginning, it's awesome because what happens is that you create a good image with them, right? You create the image that you need to have um, with them, that they see you as a real person <laughs> instead of what the kids do and convince them that you just are an ogre and, they, and uh, that you really hate them, that type of thing. Well, it takes reaching out to them from the very beginning. Well, at some point, you're going to have to have contact, right? Real contact, whether it's because the kid did something wrong or because you want to talk to them, because you want to give them feedback about the child's uh, participation or progress in your class. You're going to have a parent meeting. Even if it's just informal meetings that happen at an open house or something like this, you, you need to have a, time, a chance to talk with somebody about how you prepare for a parent meeting. And that's important because... A lot of us, we've not been taught that. And it's a little nervous, it's, it's a little nerve-wracking, if you will, um, when uh, you're going to have that first meeting, especially if you think there might be some angst in it because, uh, you know, the child's not doing well or because you needed to give them detention or, you know, any number of things that cause that little bit of angst. Well, we need to have some uh, somebody to go to that'll help us understand a little bit about how to have those peer interactions, how, excuse me, parent interactions, how to talk with parents, how to prepare for a parent meeting, 
Right, because you don't just want to go into it blindly. You want to go into it with information so that you can talk. And you also want to be prepared to not have, you know, wear your emotions on your sleeves, you know, so that you can keep it at, uh, at a nice, comfortable level <laughs> so that you can accomplish something, right? This is, it shouldn't be something to fear. It's just that we often have little or no training in how to have uh, parent interactions. And uh, so it can be kind of troublesome when we've not had any of that and uh, we can actually then maybe avoid them as much as possible until we're really forced to and that's not a good thing either right so these are my five reasons why you need a lifeline number one you, you fall behind you fall way behind number two not sure what to do you you don't know who to ask Number three, you stru you're struggling with classroom management and you need some support. You need somebody to come watch you. You need somebody to give you some feedback, some ideas, some way to being creative and helping you uh, work with the kids. Number four, <laughs> there's some peer interaction that's causing you some issues and you need to know how to deal with it, um, you know, and, and get some advice and help on how to overcome it, maybe. And number five you're getting ready to have to have a parent interaction. You're getting ready to have a parent meeting or such, and you would like some information on, you know, how should I do this? How, how can I do this and not screw up? How can I do this and, and really address what needs to be addressed and, and, uh, um, and still not make people hate me <laughs> or something like that? I don't know. Hey, just get over it. People, there are going to be people who aren't going to like you, all right? <laughs> so what do you think? Do you see why I think that we need a lifeline? We need somebody to be able to go to to help us. And in some cases, people are good at creating those lifelines themselves. They go out there, they reach out, and they, they, uh, they ask for help. They, they say, hey, I need some help with this situation. This is what's going on. But in many cases, instead of asking for, because they're afraid of looking bad or because they're afraid of it, uh, you know, maybe impacting negatively their, their evaluation or something like this, the classroom teacher will fail to create that lifeline and, uh, and won't spend time um, cultivating the lifelines. So food for thought today, five reasons why you need a lifeline. A lifeline is there. It's meant to help you be able to get through whatever that situation is, whether the good or the bad. You know, the idea, hey, I got this going on, that type of thing. And you need that person who's going to help you, who's going to reach out pull you out of the deep end of the pool, help you get through this tough surf, help you with that floating device that's going to help you get your head above water and be able to take on the world. Next time we talk, I'm going to go into my five ways that lifelines appear in schools. All right? So today I talked about the five reasons why you need a lifeline. Next time, it's going to be the five ways lifelines appear and the five ways to approach creating a lifeline, that type of thing, right? Because there are different ways that they appear, different ways that uh, teachers create them, um, different ways that they, they exist to help teachers overcome whatever the difficulty is or to get advice about what to do. Thanks for listening. Hope we gave you some food for thought. Have an awesome day. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts 
Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends. Thank you.